Do you have a joke? I do have a joke. Okay. okay. Just, it's just one joke. You're, you're handling the joke duties for the two of you. No, I think Tristan. I've got one. Tristan oh, two has, jokes. Yeah, we have okay. two. All right. Is that all right? I might have two. Really? Wow. Maybe. I only have one. Two guests and three jokes? Maybe. This is great. Some, <laughs> some people show up forgetting their joke, and so this makes up for lost ground for other it, folks. It was the biggest thing I studied. Jokes? <laughs> Before this interview, like, oh, what, what joke do you tell? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, who wants to start? Alana should start. Can I? Okay. So a pony went to the doctor complaining about a sore throat, and the doctor said, it's okay, you're just a little horse. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's cute. That's good. Yeah. I didn't even see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can you top that? No. Okay. But I can give you my joke. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, what's the best thing about Switzerland? I, I know this one, but I'm not going to read it. Oh. I love this joke. Please tell it. Well, it's flag is a big plus. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the other one? Yeah. This is bad. They're, they're all bad. That's the idea. Uh, what does the mathematician do when they have constipation? I don't know. I don't know. They work it out with a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's good. I like that. <laughs> Lower the tone. <laughs> Hello, this is the Calgarian. I'm Taylor Lambert. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2020, which means this podcast is one year old. I think that's a pretty good milestone. So thanks to all of you who helped the show on Patreon or bought t-shirts or told your friends or posted on social media or just subscribed and listened. All of your support is very much appreciated. We are starting 2020 off with a pretty great episode. I spoke to Alana Bartol and Tristan Surtees. They are two Calgary artists who are members of the Calgary Public Art Alliance, and they had some really smart and fascinating thoughts on public art. We talked about the city's public art program, which some people love to hate, and which is currently suspended, but they also talked about how public art is a much broader concept than just picking a location and putting a sculpture there. And we, as citizens or as decision makers or certain newspaper columnists, we sell ourselves short when we rely on a narrow definition of what public art is and what purpose it serves in the community. So here we go my conversation with Alana Bartol and Tristan Surtees. I didn't eat breakfast. That's terrible. I know. I usually don't. I'm pretty unhealthy that way. What do you eat? Uh, The same as every morning. What? An egg. An egg? And two slices of toast. Wow. A cup of tea to start and a cup of coffee afterwards. It's very... uh, British. <laughs> <laughs> it's not because it's British, I do it. Really? I, lo- I love one. A boiled egg. Oh, I love a boiled egg. I like boiled eggs, yeah. too. Just, just plain boiled egg? Just plain boiled egg. You know, salt and pepper? Uh, or a little salt, salt pepper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. On a weekend, maybe a bit of chili. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Nice. Okay, so before we start, uh, I want to get into the public art alliance and public art in general, but I thought just to begin with, if we could start with a little introduction about uh, each of you, about your 
your relationship to the city, first of all, but also your artistic practice. So whoever wants to start. Um, well, my name's Alana Bartol, and I'm an artist. I'm an educator. I work at the Alberta University of the Arts, formerly Alberta College of Art and Design. Um, and I moved to Calgary in 2015 uh, from Ontario. And uh, my relationship to the city, well, I feel like I'm, uh, I st I'm still getting to know the city. And since I've moved here, um, my work has always been site responsive and really responding to relationships between people and place and particularly our relationship to environmental concerns, the natural world. Um, but since moving to Alberta, I've really been looking at um, our relationship to the oil and gas industry mm -hmm. and looking at the language, the policies, um, the infrastructure of the oil and gas industry in Alberta. From an artistic perspective. Yes, yeah. Oh. So. Um, so that takes a lot of different forms. I'm not really uh, specialized in the sense that I work in a lot of different ways. So I work in drawing, sculpture, uh, public art uh, that engages community in different ways. So there are often participatory elements in the work that I do. Um, it's often research-based, community-based, um, but I also use photography and performance and video. So the type of work I make is uh, really dependent on uh, the idea that I'm uh, driven by and, and very, very much responding to the place that I'm in and um, the social and political s concerns that I'm looking at. So, looking at oil and gas through an artistic lens, I'm for some reason I'm just picturing like very elaborate and beautiful portraits of roughnecks. <laughs> no, that's uh, replace the roughnecks with oil wells themselves. Oh, so okay. um, part of what I'm interested in doing in that work is uh, thinking about empathy with the environment. And um, so a project that I created is called Orphan Well Adoption Agency. So I don't know if you've heard about orphan wells, but they are oil and gas wells throughout the province. The province is really littered with them. And since I've moved here, um, the numbers just continue to increase. Um, because, of course, these wells are orphaned, um, and this is an industry term, I'm not making this up, mm -hmm. um, uh, because their co parent companies, so to speak, have gone bankrupt or declared insolvency, so this infrastructure is left um, on the land and can potentially contaminate um, you know, soil, the air, uh, groundwater, uh, it's a it's a big issue for obviously the province, but you know people um, living in different communities where uh, it's affecting municipal tax payments. It's affecting mm -hmm. people's lives, their property value. Um, of course, like questions of health. So a lot of my work is looking at questions of um, the health of the environment and then how we understand that through uh, our own health as as humans. Yeah, um, Tristan. Poor Tristan has to hold his own microphone today. <laughs> He's really doing doing a lot of labor here. One I, of the microphones walked off from the library, and so we're we're reduced to this. I feel it's like very I'm bush league podcast. Yeah, I like it. I feel like I'm on stage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do you want to stand up? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm one half of Son for Son. Um, so we're an arts collaboration, formerly based in Scotland. Um, and my collaborator, Charles Blanc, was, was trained as an architect, but we've worked as an arts practice for the last uh, 19 years. Um, in a similar way to 
Alana an interest. All of our work is driven by the relationship between people and place. So I don't think we, maybe on one or two occasions we've shown in galleries, but the rest of the time it's working in the public realm, um, in dialogue with people and the kind of the context of that particular situation. Uh, we moved. We'd been working in Calgary, going backwards and forth since 2006, and moved here to undertake the role of lead artist for Watershed Plus in 2011. Um, and Watershed Plus was a, a program we evolved with the city's utilities and environment protection department, specifically water services and water resources. And it was uh, and a new a new way for the city to really think about how artists can be a complementary asset to um, the work of the utilities. So embedding artists in the work of uh, whether it's strategic planning or uh, new pieces of infrastructure, but how do they engage and participate in some of the bigger questions that um, water is dealing with? Wow, that's very cool. You guys both do really cool art. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before we get into the uh, deep rabbit hole that is Calgary Public Art, um, Let's talk about the Public Art Alliance first of all. What is the Calgary Public Art Alliance? Um, it's it's a group of uh, subject matter experts that work in the field that come together because they care about art and culture in the city and specifically around public art. So um, it's a, it's academics, it's practicing artists, it's curators, um, it's uh, students, it's people that are all working and are passionate about the field of public art. What was the impetus for the group? Um, I think uh, going back, and um, some of the things that were taking place within administration with regard to public art, some of the changes which were afoot, and some of the ways in which they were coming about, the uh, a group came together and said, "Look, this this seems contradictory to what we know to be best practice. Where are we going, and how can this group of experts?" Um, how can we share some of our experiences in other cities, other places in the world, and some of our experiences of working here for years and years? What what are the things that we know work, because we can't see that being implemented, or it's been implemented but ignored? Yeah. So what, what what period of time are we talking about here? When did the group start? Oh, I think 2018, 18, last yeah. year, the year before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. So public art in Calgary is is. Uh, a third rail of conversation a lot of the time it's uh, it's it's something that if you bring up like density people are going to have very strong opinions on it i think public art is another one of that those things um what, what, what would you say calgary's relationship with public art is <laughs> i'm interested because you're both yeah. non-calgarians who, who are coming here you, you've been here long enough to have an understanding of it. you work in the arts field and you've mm -hmm. obviously watched the public art debate unfold over these yes. few years and so i'm curious what do you think do we have a healthy relationship with public I, art I, in the city i moved here because of the relationship people have with art in the city and the potential that i could see here unlike other places you know i, I come from a well-established in, in glasgow scotland it's a well-established sort of center of arts and culture there were things that were possible here in calgary that um, were much more difficult in other places there were things that were truly unique so embedding artists in a water department and that being valued and seen as, an, uh, as a complementary way of thinking or challenging some of the bigger questions um, was really new and innovative. And I, I honestly don't think, I, I was looking yesterday in preparation for this interview at um, some of the, the city's surveys and what they've done with citizens about their feelings around public art and arts and culture. And, and it's 
I think we we sort of lie to ourselves that people hate or don't want this stuff. And there mm. are those people, understandably. But they said in their own, um, I'm trying to find my numbers here. So they said in the 2016 satisfactory survey, um, 81% of Calgarians said they support arts and culture and say it was important. I mean, it's yeah. 81%. And honestly, those are the people I meet every day. Mm -hmm. When yeah. we do installations or projects, the majority of people come out and they're interested, they're questioning. And if a work is good and relating to that context or asking an important question about where we are or the society we're in, they're intrigued in that too. It's kind of not important that it's art first. It's about place and people first. Um, and they also said that 89% um, of people were satisfied with the city's program for arts and culture. Like, I don't know another city that has that, that rating. Yeah. So uh, public art would just be one part of that, that category though, right? That's right, yeah. that's right. And, but I think there is, um, I think it's something that people like to make political um, gains over. And I think it's something that in the press, um, we like to rail against it because there's been two projects which cause controversy. We can talk about those. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I, don't, I don't, what I'm trying to say is I don't genuinely believe the foundation is that Calgarians um, don't like it, don't trust it, aren't interested in it. I, th I, think we, I think we belittle ourselves by saying we as Calgarians mm. feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And my experience moving here um, within the first year that I was here, I was really excited because I hadn't made a uh, an official uh, public art project before. I mean, I had been working um, in public space in many different ways in different cities across Canada, um, but I hadn't been able to work with a city public art program because the city I came from didn't I really have one. So um, coming from Windsor, Ontario to Calgary, uh, I was able to be one of the three artists selected for a new um, artist in residence program that was called Open Air. And so it was an amazing opportunity. And uh, the residency allowed me to have a studio space um, free of charge in the old fire hall on uh, Memorial Drive. Yeah. Uh, it was a great space. Um, there was you know, other artists there, and we were engaged in different uh, research projects that responded to um, to place in different ways. And, uh, you know, it gave me a really um, a great period of time to invest in my art, art practice, to get to, you know, meet people in the community. Um, and a big part of that residency was that um, there was no, you know, we didn't have to create a big public sculpture or even um, some established piece of artwork that would go into public space, but it, it was more about engaging the community in our research process. So it was opening up that process in different ways. So, for example, um, the project I was working on was looking at uh, connections between smell and place. And so I was organizing uh, workshops and walks in collaboration with an aromatherapist, um, in collaboration with a botanist and a herbalist and taking people outside to look at plants in the city and like it was just I was uh, you know I felt um, like I was really supported um, by the city's public art program and I was meeting artists and I was meeting people and they were interested in having conversations about the things I was talking about in my art practice. So so for me, it was, it's interesting to like, you know, I know there's a lot of controversies around um, the public art program, but having that experience um, as someone who had just moved to the city 
um, you know, I was really excited about the possibilities of, you know, living here and building an art practice. Yeah. I think, um, like, I, I, I'm very conscious, not just on this subject, but in a lot of different things, that I, I kind of live in a bubble in the city. Um, like, my friends are, are, a lot of my friends are artists, or they're people who strongly support the arts, work in the arts. Um, there's a lot of people who are removed from the arts community who don't, when, when, when you say the arts or public art, they have very specific conceptions about what that is. And if, like you're, you're, the statistics you cited were for support for the arts in general, I'm sure you would find a strong support for public art as a concept. But I think when people say they support public art, it's they're thinking public art that they like. Yeah. And so that becomes the problem because you can't just do public art that everyone's going to like because that's not, first of all, possible, but it's also not practical and not helpful. I guess the question that I'm very slowly crawling my way towards, um, what, what do we need public art for? What role do you think public art serves in a community? Uh, yeah, I think artists, given the right opportunities, given the right situations in which to work, um, don't land us in those polarizing positions of saying, uh, do we want an object placed here and do I like it? but in the process of making a work can take us on a, an exploration or a journey. The work Alana's talking about or the work that the artists who are working with the water department, they're making work that's deeply researched, deeply understood, and is part of a bigger whole. Mm-hmm. And I think the place that public art plays in a society is that, um, first of all, it's democratic, it's outside, it's with people. It's not inside a space that you have to you know, pass a threshold. It's in dialogue and it's with other people. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important to society and um, I think it can, um, works can do many different things. One of, the, one of the biggest challenges is I think we sometimes set jobs for art to do. I think artists are really good at asking, inviting us to look at different questions or look at things in a different way and can expand our relationship to either a situation or place or assumptions that we work with. They, they, the works that I see that I admire around the world are ones that, um, challenge me and question me, my assumptions about something or bring me to a new realization or playfully engage me in something beyond the sort of banal or the mundane. Um, I think it's they have the potential to be much richer than just sort of entertainment or decoration, but really to bring us closer to some of our understanding of what it is to be uh, a citizen, what it is to be a Calgarian, to be an Albertan, to be a Canadian. and. There are fewer and fewer arenas in which we can do that collectively, and public space is one of the important places in which we can do that. And great artists engaged in really interesting ways can draw us to some of those questions together. Yeah, I think um, public art is, it's a, to me it's an idea or a way of thinking about art. And when I'm thinking about art, I'm thinking about how the practice of art is always changing and um, and evolving with new methods and materials and it's always kind of rewriting its own definition and so um, and when I even when I think about definitions of public space or you know how do we define space now space can be defined in different ways there's public space on virtual spaces right uh, the airwaves so I think you know just even breaking down the terms like yeah. public and art and when we think about the public and and you know who is the public or like how are different publics comprised of different groups of people in different ways and 
um, and how can artists uh, create projects that, um, you know, are in dialogue with maybe specific publics, but then also reach publics in other spheres and other ways. Um, and I think we've had this conversation at the um, Alliance meetings, but the term public art kind of being so um, loaded, uh, sometimes I like to say, you know, art in public space or art in the public sphere, um, because to me, a lot of the work that I've done um, that's public art or art in, in public spaces is more uh, temporary or ephemeral or performance-based. Um, it's not um, what a lot of people would um, associate with public art, right, like a mural or a permanent sculpture. So I think part of it is opening up those ideas about what public art can be um, and where it exists and who does it. and having um, better strategies for communicating um, what artists do and why and how they do it. And I think that's really important. Yeah, no, th that's a good point. The, the definition of both public and art and public art is much broader than the discussion that we have in the city, I think. Mm -hmm. Our conception of it is pretty limited. Um, when people in Calgary, a lot of people anyways, think about public art, they think of um, Traveling Light, the Big Blue Ring, and uh, the Beaufort Towers. And there's also a criticism that local artists are not um, represented enough. I've read, uh, as I was looking up research for this conversation, I've read countless columns from people and social media posts complaining about how the majority of, of Calgary's public art is from people outside of Calgary or outside of Canada, um, which is actually false. The city's um, numbers that they released for 2017 um, before the public art program was frozen, which we're going to talk about in a minute, 71% uh, of the artists that uh, produce public art in Calgary were local. 15% um, were from elsewhere in Canada and 14% were from abroad. So mm. it's, it's, it's based on misconceptions and, and very simplistic definitions of these terms, I think. You know, it's, when you think about those, well, first of all, it's not true. Yeah. But secondly, um, you know, we don't just listen to music that's made in Alberta or in Calgary. We don't just look at things in museums which are made just here. And I understand those, we're asking artists to respond to this context. They must, it's not just fly something and plop it down. Um, Calgary's a special place and, and it needs, the work needs to engage in its context, whatever that work might be. But that doesn't exclude people from elsewhere. And one of the greatest things I've found about working in Calgary is there's 140 some languages spoken here. We're a very connected city. Um, we welcome ideas from elsewhere. We, we want to be at the top. And I think it only serves us, um, certainly culturally and societal, societally, if we're part of a, a broader conversation um, and engaging in those dialogues with artists from Toronto or from uh, Botswana, it really doesn't matter where the artist is from if they're tasked to work with the same thing. And it gets co sort of conflated with the issue of money. Where's the money spent? Now, I work in lots of different places. And whenever we're constructing a project, I would say 80 to 90% of that budget gets spent in that place. Because it's just logical <laughs> that you mm -hmm. employ local craftspeople or technicians or um, engineers because it, because of proximity it just makes sense mm -hmm. so really that money's going back into 
the place in where it's, which it's from, and the investment in the artist, the work that we do when we go there, is we spend a lot of time forming relationships and collaborations with people. So we don't come and just you know point at something and say we want to put a work there. It comes from understanding and research. So we do do ourselves a disservice if we go on a shopping trip and buy work from elsewhere and just place it around the city, decorate it like a sculpture park, because that work has little chance of having direct connection with the places and the people of that place. But if we engage artists in the right way, I, I love the idea of artists working in my hometown that mm. have come from Los Angeles. I mean, what, whether friction rubs up against the two things, the different perspectives, what they see that I have taken for granted, that I find that super exciting. Yeah. And that's why I go to the Henry Moore Institute whenever I'm back, and they show Italian artists, and they show artists from Spain, and, and artists from um, the vicinity. So it's not about where they're from. It's about the quality of the work that's shown. In terms of just picking something up and plopping it down, that's an interesting thing to talk about the Beaufort Towers because the part of the controversy around that was um, that there was this uh, alleged similarity between the Beaufort Towers and um, burial structures for the First Nations here. And the designer was from New York. Had, it was not deliberate, had no conception of it. But that's something that I, I wonder, is that a, a, a danger that someone could stumble into? Um, I think I think part of it is the the process that is set up for the artists to um, you know have those conversations with the community that they're working in. Um, so I think that you know that plays a role. Obviously, the artist's ability to um, understand the local, social, cultural context. Um, I don't know, Tristan. Do you have? Yes, I, I think the looking at Beaufort Towers. In fact, um, traveling light as well the way in which those projects were brought about. Um, they were brought about two, a few weeks before an election, in the case of Travelling Light, and they were politicized. They became a political football. Yeah. So they, they got talked about and misrepresented, and w the artist didn't have a voice in being able to talk about those works or why. Um, Beaufort Towers, that work was misrepresented by the administration to, to try and tick some particular box, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and it did a disservice to the work. Now, whether the work is the right thing or the, in the right place is, is another question and is the responsibility of the artist. But if the brief, as it was for both those works, is it had to be attached to a piece of infrastructure it, in the location. It was geographically sited. So um, when that bridge is built, you have to have this work attached in this location. The, the possibility and potential of that work is so limited by the definition of... Um, you know, a, a red line around where an artwork must go. So I think the process, what we ask of artists, the briefs, the process in which we engage them, so what we ask them to do, instead of saying, come here, tell us what you want to do in six weeks, the artist may not have made that same work if they'd had four months or five months to do research and be familiarized with a specific context. It might have actually changed their, work, their whole practice and we might have got a new piece of work from those artists and I think Traveling Light was a good attempt at trying to do that in mm -hmm. a very restrictive brief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also think we get we mix up and we do ourselves a disservice when we mix up cost, economy, and value. They're very different things. Yeah. You know, when when you look at Traveling Light, um, four hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars, and then you look at what we spend on a piece of um, freeway. Yeah. A piece of freeway, one meter of freeway is seventy-one thousand dollars. We find it all too easy. When you work in a city, 
and the scale at a city of $4 billion budget, really $400,000, although it's a huge amount of money and it can affect a huge amount of lives if we use it in, in to support uh, services for people that need those services. It's much easier to look at that when you think about transportation or road networks or the, the, the scale of which budgets are spent in that area is colossal. And that was sort of the idea behind the 1% of the transit of a, of a transit infrastructure projects goes to public art, right? Like right. Uh, that's the idea behind it. The, the budget for these things is enormous. Let's take a little bit and spend it on public art. Right. Sorry, Alana. Oh, I was just going to say, but then it gets tied um, in the past or it, it is tied to a specific, that specific infrastructure project. So then, you know, you end up with, like Tristan was saying, you know, uh, a uh, public sculpture that is on the side of a highway yeah. and it has all these um, physical restrictions to you know where it's located, how big it can be, things that have to be integrated into it. Um, so it it immediately places a lot of restrictions on you know what the artist can do, and I think that's um, a real disservice to artists and the development of an idea and a uh, creative process. Yeah, constraints can be, you know, helpful to the artistic process, but when you're always building something like a, in a far-flung place on a freeway or a, a bridge or something, it's it's there's only so much you can do with that. Just imagine if you gave that, art, you know, an artist working with, within transportation, which would be an amazing subject, and you asked them to do a project along 16th, the whole of 16th, yeah. and deal with the community's sort of situations and context along that. It could be an incredible project, yeah. truly transformational, mm -hmm. with the same amounts of money. And I think we've moved away, thankfully, from some of that. The city won't do those large projects. I mean, they just won't do those anymore anyway. But I, I just think that the, the potential and the opportunities is much greater if we engage artists in interesting ways with real subjects and give them give them the leverage or the, the potential to influence and, and to be part of the thinking around what this place may or may not be. Yeah. It seems to me that we're just not uh, familiar with the public art in this city. Um, I discovered just in looking stuff up for this conversation, the city has a public art map online, and you can go and look at the different public art things in your in each quadrant and downtown. It has all kinds of information there about the, the, the piece and about the artist, and there's a wealth of information, but I feel like that doesn't get as much attention as, you know, some people's negative opinions on specific projects. So do, do we need to do a better job of, of helping the public engage with this public art? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of softball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, of, I, of course, I think that we, we do need to do a better job and, um, and uh, a better job talking about and educating the public about, you know, um, what art can be, what artists do, how they work, how they engage in research in many different ways. Um, you know, it's something I've noticed uh, working with different communities in Alberta, like going out to rural areas to meet with landowners to talk about orphan wells on their property. And they're like, are you a journalist? You know, they don't really, they're like, why would an artist be doing research? Or why are, why are you interested in, in this? You know, what are you going to paint? paint the wells or something and I'm like no you know I'm I'm uh, interested in in learning about uh, all of the issues surrounding this problem I want to go to the places I want to experience them I want to document them I want to go back and reflect and, and think about how I want to respond well 
I didn't turn my phone. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad's calling. <laughs> Congratulations, Dad! You made it onto the podcast. <laughs> Maybe he wants to share something about public art. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to um, keep that in. Please continue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, just that um, uh, really, I think, um, communication around like what the artistic process can look like, um, how we think about uh, public space and that public space itself encourages um, or produces democratic processes. And part of those processes is dissent and it's, conversation and it's not about getting everyone on the same page to yes. say we all love this artwork and that shouldn't be the goal you know it I don't want art that everyone likes that sounds awful I don't even know me what that either <laughs> but I think there's also an, an, a notion that uh, somehow it, somehow it's highbrow and we need to bring the public up to this level of understanding and, and you know that the, yeah. they're not smart I don't think that's true artists um when we write briefs and commissions for artists, if we ask them, what do you want to put here? You're going to get a certain kind of artists who are interested in making objects to place in certain places. Um, with Watchtower Plus, what we were very keen to do um, in both the residencies and the artist labs, the work that's on show at uh, Contemporary Calgary at the moment, is is not start from that assumption at all. So you applied for a residency you said it, they were asked to do three things, all deliverables that public art should do um, for the, in the city's mind. And, and then we supported them to work in the way that was most appropriate for them to get the deepest understanding to make the most relevant work. So we asked them to, they had to make new work. They couldn't show something they'd done before. They had to respond to the issues and context and topics. And they had to engage the public in some capacity. So whether that, the result of that work was temporary or permanent, an event, um, a happening, a radio program, a uh, a permanent sculpture, a temporary signage structure, work that uh, were archived, the flood of 2013, all, all of those works are public art works. It's the process in which they were engaged that meant they could make meaningful works that were relevant to Calgarians. Yeah. And whatever the scale of the project, budget-wise, that's we should be em empowering artists to do those things. And in that case, it speaks to the public, it's about the public, and it's with the public. The process, most artists who work in the public realm want to be in dialogue with the public. They're not making work about themselves. Yeah. They're, they're, they've chosen to work in that field because they're interested in conversations in the public sphere. So it's, uh, if we want to get interesting public art and we want to get artists doing the best work, wherever they're from, we need to invest the time and energy in the process and embed them in those big questions, whether it's with other subject matter experts or whether it's with municipal organizations. We need to give them the chance to be a participant and that kind of complementary thinker. Um, i just give you one example from Time and Watershed Plus. So uh, we were the lead artist embedded in the water center. So our, our studio was two cubicles pushed together inside strategic services. And the people we rubbed shoulders with in every day and had conversations with were engineers and, and planners and thinkers and um, field staff. Um, it was hugely impactful to uh, our practice and all the artists that worked with the organization because they were trusted as artists they were um, valued as complementary thinkers, and they were uh, they were challenging and exploring questions in alternative ways than just an engineer would. So they bring a richness to 
what might be a mundane question. It makes the whole thing more fascinating and uh, often more interesting answers or solutions. We, we do do ourselves a disservice when we boil it down to buying objects or placing them in cities. That artists today are not that artist and they'd still exist but there's so much greater capacity for for artists could bring to our city if we let them i sorry. i was just going to say and it takes time right to to build those relationships and to establish trust not only between um you know artists and whoever they're working with but uh you know how do you create those opportunities um, and those opportunities have been created in Calgary and we've just um, we haven't talked about them you know I think this is a good place to talk about the process so the public art program is currently on hold um, can you guys I, I feel like a lot of people don't understand how public art gets chosen in the city um, can you talk a little bit about how the program was working and why it's on pause and where it's going in the future. We probably don't know the answers to those questions also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the arts community has been shut out a lot of a lot yeah. of that understanding of where they're heading in the future. Um, what has happened in the past is there's a jury selected, seven people come together, artists make, depending on, um, there's a difference between a request for proposals and a request for qualification. So yeah. sometimes a request for proposal might be, what do you want to create in this situation? And you put forward a, an idea or a concept. Now that might be in some cases a drawing or a, th those potentially are more in the vein of uh, Beaufort Towers and um, Traveling Light. You know, this, those were proposals that come forward, generally speaking. A request for qualifications is to say, look, I, this is who I am. This is the way that I work. This is why I'm interested in what you are talking about in this particular brief. And that's, that's yeah. what I always apply for, because they're more interesting. They've got the time to research, develop relationships, form trust, get the knowledge to make a work relevant to that place. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have both in a jury process. Like, for example, I was on a jury uh, for a City of Calgary public art project, and so it started with the request for qualifications. So we had, I can't remember how many applicants, but a, a larger pool, 50-plus applicants, and then um, narrowing it down to, say, three potential you know people that we we wanted to hear more from and then and then put out a request for proposals and then you have three proposals and you can interview the artists and you can look at the proposals and you you know can get a better sense of okay this is these are the different approaches these artists would take but again that is much more directed to a, a and that project was um, like a permanent sculptural work so I, I think there's there's not one size fits all in the process. I think what uh, what was wonderful about the program, you know, for 15 years there were no controversies. They did over 50 public artworks. They did some very good work. Their process and their 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 plan, their mandate, their policy, all this was was pretty rigorous. I mean, it, it, you could tweak things. You'd want to shape things. It's a kind of iterative, adaptable process. But there's the um, art the coordinators that ran the different areas in the city understood the departments they were working with and would tailor the calls and opportunities to that department and try and um, try to em employ best practice and some departments were more successful than others uh, and the, 
they may not have been as supported as some, but certainly in the department I worked in, that relationship and trust with the, the public art coordinator and the organization was something that both sides put a lot of work into and tried very, very, very hard to establish um, something which was um, best practice in, in both senses. That's why it was innovative and, and different was because of that embedded nature and that relationships that had been established in the trust. Mm -hmm. So I, I think w we're telling ourselves a, a, a false story when we say, oh, the public art's not liked or it was never successful, or, the program was broken. It wasn't supported um, in communications and outreach. Um, uh, and, and I know that from personal experience. When you, when you want to send a tweet out, through the program and you have to get six people's approval and it takes two weeks to send a tweet out. <laughs> That's not really communicating with Calgarians in a, in a living way. Yeah. You know, so the support, the procurement was a challenge, uh, how, how things got procured. As an artist, you had to apply at one time and it went through the same process as if you were a cement contractor, you know? Yeah, the yeah. processes just weren't in place. For example, I was working on a, a public art project with artist uh, Sarah Nordine, who's also based in Calgary, and part of our project involved um, an artist book, which is, is an artwork in and of itself that um, we designed and we wrote about the project and we, um, you know, it's a record of, of what happened in that project, which... Um, spanned over the, a year and involved uh, different people making different artworks throughout, throughout the project. So we wanted to capture that in a document. Um, and it was very difficult and challenging to be able to, um, to make that document as part of the project. And it was an, and a really an essential piece of that work. Um, and to have that document recognized as an artwork so, um, so that we could you know, shape what it looked like and not have it look like a very, you know, corporate document. Mm -hmm. um, so there was, yeah, there's a lot of challenges with the overall structure of, um, of the program and uh, the bureaucracy and the paperwork and communication um, in many directions. Yeah, but, th but that, those challenges um, were pretty much external to the to the public art program itself. Yeah. It was the other mm -hmm. parts of the city, city bureaucracy yes. in general yes. that wouldn't Sorry. support yep. the program. That you is. know, and, and it wouldn't wouldn't help them through, wouldn't find alternative yep. ways to solve those problems, wouldn't understand that an artist's book doesn't need to be corporately branded. Right. right. It's it, it's an artwork. You you don't stick Calgary logos all over it because then you deface an artwork. Mm -hmm. It's not doing what it was supposed to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's not um, all of those challenges are not insurmountable you know that or rather they, they we, we can resolve those things within a municipal organization because we do it for all other areas of the city yeah. if something's not working in parks or something's not working in transportation mm -hmm. we overcome those problems together as an and that's the great strength of a municipal organization it's like the biggest toolbox you can have i mean it can do anything mm -hmm. yeah. so when we're doing a water project you walk into um the parks department and you've got an entire room of experts but if those, if, if in communications are not willing to support a public art program or they've been directed away from it, the program can't do its best work. Yeah. So I, I'd, I really don't think the entire thing was not broken, the way in which it was supported, thought about and administered in some cases was. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the jury selection process um, the juries were not just public art, uh, arts professionals. There were also ordinary citizens on those juries. Is that right? There were yes. very few arts professionals. Oh, it was mostly ordinary citizens. It was mostly other people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you think that was a, a, a good approach? 
you, you have to have a jury. I think one of the, it would we would get uh, in the writing of the brief and in the process, if we had more expertise from within the field, or at least the expertise the coordinators were trying to put in place, if that was supported, um, then then we would have more interesting work. You know, there's only so much you can do if you sit in a jury. When it's a line of sitting in a jury or I sit in a jury, if, if the brief was you need to make something and put it here, mm. you're getting a certain kind of artist and you're gonna have a certain kind of selection and you have to make a selection. So it's in the brief and in the process and in the selection and having, having the knowledge. What's really embarrassing is that we've dedicated our lives to this field of work. We've studied it, um, we've practiced it and so we're professionals in the same way that a bridge engineer is a professional. And to not have that profession or that knowledge or expertise respected in the kind of process and selection, to have that run just through a kind of municipal organization with, without the expertise in, the, in that area, is, is kind of patronizing. You know, it's, we're missing out. We're, we're doing Calgarians a disservice because we're not getting the greatest work because we're not employing the greatest processes. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons the alliance came together to form a coalition of professionals in the field, of artists and um, and educators and curators, um, because we care very much about public art and uh, having a civically funded program in the city. So, um, you know, having artists be involved in having a process that is uh, transparent and communicated well and um, and really respecting artists as professionals in their field and um, and that we want to help you know and we have a lot to contribute and say and um, in a variety of different ways um, unfortunately anytime there's public money involved there's also political process involved and if there's not political support for something then it doesn't exist and I think that's how we ended up with a unanimous council vote to suspend the arts program um, the public art program and send it back to the drawing board in some way um, it's now going to be apparently um, pushed outside of the city bureaucracy it's going to be uh, run externally somehow they haven't figured out who's going to do that um, how do you guys feel about that? How do you envision that? Like, is there a best case scenario for that happening? Mm. Uh, <laughs> is, there, is there a way it moves forward and doesn't suck? Well, you know, in, uh, in March 2019, um, when it went to council and the Alliance supported the city and said, look, it's really important that we have a civic, a, a municipal arts organization embedded in the city because of all these reasons. We explained them all to council. We stood up and talked to them. We sent them a letter and explained this is this 40 odd people from the arts community said, look, we, we really stand behind this. You've made massive changes in the last year have been frozen. This, this, this is really important to us as practitioners and also for Calgarians. There's a great future ahead. And at that presentation, council said that there needed to be more engagement with um, Calgary practitioners and artists and it needs to be I had the wording um, written down so the, the program over oversight should include participation from the artist community and it should be an inclusive decision-making framework that was that was what council instructed none of that happened <laughs> so when it came about um, a couple of weeks ago yeah. the decision 
to move it out of the municipal government was made without any conversation, was done completely behind closed doors, with no expert advice or input. So the betrayal of, of, of what was put forward to artists is, is hugely upsetting and infuriating. And there's still no answers as to what the benefit and how that works, how it will work outside of the municipal organization and how it fulfills all of the problems it had before by doing this. A consultant was brought in a little more than two weeks before council made this um, uh, presentation, went before council ruled on this happening. And that is the only input that anyone has had and that was a consultant from Toronto, um, a very good one. But how you understand a place in two weeks and make recommendations, I have no idea. Yeah. And at the same time, the arts community were engaged in doing some visioning work, literally a week or two before, about the vision of what the program might be. None of that was implemented or contributed to the thinking of what was taking place. So not listen to the cultural community, completely sidestepped it, made decisions behind closed doors without any consultation of best practice. It, it's not artists that are getting missold it, it's Calgarians. I mean, how can we trust a process like that? Yeah. Um, it's, it's truly heartbreaking. Yeah, it's really upsetting because, you know, initially and throughout um, our discussions and conversations, um, as an alliance, we've been talking about accountability and transparency. And so it's it's really disappointing and upsetting to, you know, feel like um, we were starting to have, you know, some engagement and uh, conversations and then find out, oh, the, they're moving the program out of the city. And there isn't another organization in Calgary that can um, that has the expertise uh, to take that on or the experience. So, you know, what is that process going to look like and, and how is it going to, to be facilitated? And it, I think it's the fact that it's been... It has gradually been dismantled behind closed doors. So the disbandment of the public art board, board, yeah, that was that was done with no knowledge of anybody. Was it was it like it's 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 gone. It's, gone. it's just it. like gone. So the only public oversight of the entire program was just cleared out of the way. Um, and and I I do understand you know when when they say um, there are cuts taking place there is challenges in the city, there's financial issues the city has to respond to. But to be really, really like open and transparent about it, the city in its, um, have their, their uh, service plan for 2019-2022, the budget for public art would be 1.18 million. So that's massively reduced from over the last few years, 1.18 million. Um, so that in a city of four billion dollar budget, the only, there's only one and a half members of staff that are employed directly through the city's um, arts and culture budget. The rest are tied to the 1%. So the 1% is tied to infrastructure. So if we're not building anything, we don't get the 1% for arts and culture. So the budget goes up and down. It fluctuates with the, the way the city's doing economically. It's, yeah. it's been like that for 15 years. So we're not 
it's not like we're asking for a huge amount of money and then the public art goes and spends it willy-nilly. It, it's tied to the barometer of the city and has been for a very long time. So all we're really doing by moving it out of the city is losing the experts that currently run it and potentially, um, I guess the idea is to have them non-unionized and therefore save some money. But it is that question again between cost, economy and value. We lose so much value in expertise and knowledge that what we get afterwards, we have to build from the beginning. We have, there's no one in the wings waiting to take this on. So whether it goes to CADA or the Glembo or Contemporary Calgary or uh, CMLC, they don't have a public art department. Yeah. And if you look at cities all around when they set up arts councils, like independent organizations, they take uh, time, money, trust, investment, all of these things, all of these situations take more effort to establish properly. And it's the cultural community of this city who can help shape that. And that's what we thought we were getting in the last nine months, but it never happened. What can people do, people who care about the arts in Calgary, what, what, what can people do to push back against this? Um, well, I'm trying to find something <laughs> helpful because that, yeah. that was fucking depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It, it, but it is. It is. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah, because as soon as we do this, we, we move it. You know, it's, are we really saying that the best place for management of anything is outside our municipal government? Is it really that broken? That that's, it, that's a very conservative argument, though. Is it's privatizing something. That's the idea. Right. You can't trust government to do something, have the someone outside government do it, the private sector, if you like. So. But where do we have the civic oversight of those organizations with something like this, like our libraries? If we privatize our libraries, if we privatize our schools, if we privatize our swimming pools, um, and I understand the idea of saving money because we have to, and maybe it can do it more efficiently, but it's not just about the cost of something, it's about how well that thing is done for the people that it serves. And art in public is for everybody in the public realm surely the best people to be doing that are people who are invested in the municipal thinking throughout the entire city. Yeah. Um, and you know, when we look around the world, if you look at places, what, what saddens me is the potential, that the, Calgary already says that $20 uh, revenue is generated from every dollar invested in arts and culture. So the return on investment, $20 on every single dollar. So we already know, we tell ourselves that it's a good thing to have. It, this is smart. And if you look at cities like Melbourne, or if we look at, at Nantes in France, or I'm working in Trondheim in Norway at the minute, those people understand how it can be actually a driver for a city, not just for an arts community, but for an entire city, its economy and how it sees itself, how it looks upon itself and how others see it as a place of innovation, of possibilities, of great, uh, of great work. So for like, um, like Chicago's Millennium Park, Mm -hmm. Right, that when they did the, the big bean that Anish Kapoor did. Um, they thought they would have uh, three, I think two million visitors in the first year. They had over five million visitors. And everyone who comes, if you're from within the United States, you apparently spend in the city $150. This is the study they did. And if you come from out of the city, you spend $300 a day. So the return on that investment, which I think was about $400 million to build the entire Millennium Park Square, within a, a matter of two or three years, was 
profiteering for the city. It was, it was not profiteering, sorry. It was making money for the city as a whole. It spread, it permeated. Now, if we were smart, we would employ the talents of artists and architects and designers to be um, helping us solve some of those issues and problems. Not as a gift, not as a patron, but as people who are helping to challenge those bigger questions about the economy of this city. And so, uh, and you can see it, all the cities are doing it. That's what's crazy. And we, the Utility Environment Protection, was at the very pinnacle of doing that new innovative work. Other cities are copying what this city did. There's a book, we wrote a book about it. It's, and it's just so sad that we're, we're just letting that go and letting other people benefit from doing that stuff. We, we, we were starting to, we talked to the Royal Geographic Society in London about this. They were like, we want to know about that. The National um, Creative City Network, which is Canada's public art. We keynoted at that, about this way of working. Toronto has it written into their new master plan as a way of working. Hmm. What's Calgary doing with it? Nothing. Like people are looking to Calgary and its public art program as an example, right, of a world-class uh, public art program that's doing really innovative, exciting work and thinking about approaches to public art in different ways. Um, but we're not valuing that, um, you know, in our city. Yeah. And, and people don't know about it. I think that's a huge part of it is, you know, how do we have better communications in the city um, around education you know, of public art? Yeah. It's, it, we, we, um, I mean, artists will leave, move, artists, designers, architects. We'll, we'll just lose that sector from our city. And when I first came 2006, you know, a lot of artists that I met or came out of art school would go to Montreal or New York or Toronto or Vancouver. They would depart because they didn't think they could, you know, this wasn't an environment they could work within. And something changed. The university changed something. The artists coming out, they said, no, you know, I'm going to make this the place in which I can do that work. There's different possibilities here. We'll reverse that. You know, and, and one of the main drivers that could be for our, for our city, those people will start to leave. I, I can move back. <laughs> I can go to another city that wants to do this stuff. Yeah. I, don't, I really don't want to. This is my home. So when you ask what do we do, um, I was always told you write to your councillor. Yeah. And we've done that repeatedly, and we get no response. Yeah. So I honestly don't know what you do um, to express that this that there is a place and a value to arts and culture in this city, and it might actually be part of how we get ourselves out of this particular pickle. You know, I think part of it is building awareness and doing what we're doing now, right, is um, talking about it, uh, making people aware, um, understanding what public art can do and how it can encourage engagement in a city, right, and understanding the value of it in different ways culturally, economically, uh, societal values, um, and and so part of it is, is talking about it. Um, but, I mean, it is, you know, we have written letters and, and we're not getting a response. Part of my involvement with um, the Public Art Alliance, uh, I just started getting more involved in the past year. So, you know, going to city council and, um, voicing my opinions and, and talking about uh, 
as an artist, how I didn't feel engaged in these these processes and calling for more accountability and transparency and education and also um, cultural diversity and gender um, diversity in thinking about, um, you know, the types of artists that are engaged and projects that are happening in the city. You know, these are all really important things to me and, um, and other people. So, uh, it's, it's really frustrating now to be at this point where it's like, okay, well, um, what can we do? But I think part of what we're doing is having those conversations and coming together and, um, and thinking about, you know, how do we continue to advocate uh, for public art in Calgary? Yeah, mm-hmm. as Calgarians, I mean, now now is the time that those subject matter experts are still there in the department. Um, so now is the time to voice and say, you know, we value this. This is this could be good for us. And and the, the talent is in the city. You know, when yeah. we say when we say that we want to support local artists and we want the money to be spent in the city. We need to put our thinking where our mouth is and say, well, these artists are saying, telling us how this could be, what the potential, what they value, what could be, um, where could we take this in the future? Engage and, and engage those people in the organization to, to set up something which could be a phenomenal program that is the best in Canada. I mean, the potential is there, but we need to, we need to voice it and we need to share with people what that might look like. Yeah. Everybody go call your counselor, email your counselor, go knock on their doors and yell at them because it's only a matter of time before somebody justifies building a new arena as public art. Uh, I don't want to get there. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for coming in and talking about this. Thank you. That's it for the show. Big thanks to Alana and Tristan for a fantastic and smart and thoughtful conversation. You can find links to their websites in the show notes. The Calgarian is hosted and produced by me, Taylor Lambert. Theme music is Dandelion by Ghostkeeper. If you like this show, please feed and water it. Share it on social media, leave a review in your podcast app, or show your support on Patreon. Visit thecalgarian.ca for more details. Thanks for listening.